0: I don't have a
1: today welcome back it is tuesday here at lunch plus super stoked to have you here in the broadcast with us as you're hopping on make sure that you comment tell us who you are where you're watching from so that way we can say hello to you uh paul says hey lisa says hi hi and bye love y'all love you lisa holly says hello pastor brian says or pastor brian pastor nicole says that sheriff luke and i say hi luke i'm very excited with the fact that you're a sheriff right now uh, Johnny's on, Priscilla's on. As you're on, make sure that you comment and share the broadcast. We are, again, taking a bit of a brief pause away from the man who would be king. And today we are talking about there's hope because there, if there's something that the world needs right now, it is hope. And we have true hope available to us. So share the broadcast. Everybody that you know needs to hear what is about to come forth but we're going to hang out for a little bit today cuz i want to hang out with my what's right people. Jade says hello. Jade, how are you? What you doing? You having a good day? Okay. So, while we are getting started, i have a couple questions, but in honor of Lisa, Lisa has Lisa Lamb, who is always on here and commenting hi bye and sharing. Lisa has been posting some pretty awesome stuff on Facebook and i i pretty much hijacked it. <laughs> Because I feel like they're worth a conversation. So if you'll put up the very first picture, Lisa just posted this recently, and there was quite a bit of debate on which one is the proper way. So when it comes to steak, how do you cook your steak? When it comes to bread, like toasting it, how do you toast your bread? Like what number are you? And then when it comes to coffee, what number of coffee are you? Uh, Paul says that Jade is folding clothes (laughs) and come help. (laughs) Okay, so I think when I have cooked meat, I am aiming to be a four, but I end up cooking it at like a five or six. Six isn't even on there, but I I would rather it be cooked than undercooked. So I think with steak for me personally, I'm a four, and then with toast, I'm a four, and with coffee, I'm a three point five. Pastor says that he and Pastor and Cole are the same. That they are three three two. That that is their preference. Buddy is three 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 all the way across. Okay, Paul says that he is three for meat, two for toast. And four for coffee. Serena is four three four. Prilla is two three five. I feel like I'm like coding and giving you lottery numbers all at the same time. Johnny says that he is three four two. Uh, Paul says two for steak, which actually surprised me because I thought Paul would be closer to like one for steak. Um, with the amount of talking of how he like cooks it, I really thought that he would be like bloody steak. Holly says four, three, and she's not a coffee fan, but she would drink a six. (laughs) Uh, Kevin, good afternoon, Kevin. Kevin says that he is two, three, and one. Awesome. You can bring it back to me. Yeah, I. So George, like when George drinks coffee, George is like a splash of coffee with his creamer. So I feel like George would be like a number eight on that side of the spectrum. That's what I thought. Paul says, I mean, I will eat one. I. I had no doubt with that, for sure. Darla says, hi, this is Darla from Hornell. We are great friends with Randy and Curtis, a lover of Buddy's books. Oh, that's so great to have you here with us. That's great. Thanks for hopping on and saying hello so that we can say hello back to you. Yeah, if you guys are just now hopping on the broadcast, make sure that you do, do comment so that way we can say hello to you. I have some people that are gonna be hopping on and I'm just excited to say hi to them. Paul says that if he cook." It's a one, but nobody ever cook it, cooks it correctly. And Darla says, we love four and five and lots of cream. <laughs> okay, so here's one of our questions of the day. I have a plethora if pastor wants them, but we can also cut off at any point. So here's our, here's our first question. Dun-da-dun! <laughs> I'm probably not going to have a serious answer. Um, if you could be great at one sport, what sport do you choose? Like, immediately in my head, I'm like, water polo would be cool. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that that's, like, the best answer. I think fencing would be fun because then I could take, like, fencing skills and turn them into, like, knife battle skills. Why would I need them? I don't know. But I feel like I could practically apply it. Paul says that he would be great at baseball. Kevin says he'd be great at hockey. I feel like hockey has some practical things. Buddy says curling. That is great practical application, because if you're good at curling, then you are absolutely a good mopper, because like it's got to have that same sort of force behind it. Your Who floors. Who said curling? Buddy. Your floors like, would be wonderful. I like curling. My, my friend Becca, when she lived in North Dakota, she took curling classes, yeah. which I thought was awesome. <laughs> Paul says that you can play baseball uh, to be great at every sport. Uh, Darla says, soccer. I I feel like I'd want to be great at something that allowed me.
2: I feel like I want to be great. I do. I, I <laughs> if feel you that. stop it right there, that yeah. was a great statement. I feel like I want to be great. I feel great. like I
1: want to be great. Yeah. Hey, Anthony, it's great to have you. Prilla says, tennis. I I really want something that would allow me to grow in physical things. So, like, ninja skills. I'd like to be a good ninja-er. Um, so... Karate jujitsu. I, I feel like I could do great with that. <laughs> I did karate for a really long time, actually. Not not just joking. Like I here's a fun fact about Barrett, because you're asking. I know you are. At 13 years old, I was the fighting champion in my division for the state in my particular type of karate. I did not carry on past that point, but I have a trophy that's like ginormous. I promise it's real. (laughs) I'll look it up online. Uh, Holly says softball, really interesting. Serena says soccer. Jade says fly fishing. I love Jade. (laughs) Johnny, boxing's a good one, Johnny. George says shooting every weapon system in the world. What sport is that? Like what sport do you play? (laughs) That is, I'm going to shoot every weapon possible. I'd play that one. But what type of Olympic sport is that? Marky says she'd be great at golf. It's relaxing. I'm not surprised, but I'm really intrigued that that's your answer. Darla says we will have to play sometime. Buddy says that he loves the mental image of Barrett fighting in the UFC. 100%. <laughs> uh, Abby says archery. Priscilla says, Holly would be great as short, as shortstop in softball. I, all I got to was, Holly would be great as short. And I'm like, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Kevin saw George's answer about guns. He's like, yes, I changed my answer to that one. <laughs> George says, the sport is shooting. <laughs> That's just the sport, shooting. Archery is a good one, Abigail. Absolutely. Okay, next one from Lisa. In honor of Lisa today, this is my tribute of Lisa since she is always so faithful to come on and share and be here. My second Lisa Lamb post of the day. You can only pick three. Which Hostess snacks are you keeping forever? You can only have three of them. Which numbers are you?
2: You, you can all. oh, never mind. <laughs> I was like, how are you going to remember all three of them? I wasn't looking up at the picture.
1: See, like the ones that I would actually choose are not all up there. Like I would, my choices for real would be the um, the strawberry shortcake ones that are, um, oh, I think they're just strawberry shortcake rolls or something, but they're not up there. So let's see, Paul says two, EO, you need to tell me what they are. Two is what, a Swiss roll? Uh, so Wow, the answers are coming fast. Like this is flying right now. I know this is. (laughs) Paul, I don't even know what your answers are. They're gone. (laughs) Kevin says one two seven. Holly says two four six. You know,
2: that's good. But if you can't name them, you don't need to have them. I'm just saying. I'll take the star crunch, the (laughs) Twinkie, and I don't know. Maybe the Swiss rolls, because every now and then I I like the one in the middle too. But I don't know its name.
1: The zebra cake.
2: Yeah, is that what it's called?
1: Mm-hmm. I think I would be the Swiss roll, the cosmic brownie and another butter. So two, three, nine, I think those are mine. I do like the oatmeal cookies, but I could, I could do without them. And I never want a Twinkie. Like you can, you can bring it back to me just for a minute. I think that Twinkies are those food that you could throw them in a landfill. And if aliens were real and they came and uncovered the earth, the Twinkies would still be there fully fine and prepackaged and that mildly concerns me. Um, are they No, they're swiss rolls, aren't they? But he's like correcting me. are That's the proper way to I thought ho-ho's were the No.
2: Ho, ho-ho's are the little cupcake thing
1: at the yeah. bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Google Google image.
2: (laughs) It just has to be close for all the images to pop up. I mean,
1: I now I'm really concerned. I've always called them Swiss rolls. So the Swiss rolls are the ones with the like hard chocolate on top, with the cake underneath, and the cream in the middle, rolled up. Right?
2: They're the. They were number two on the put the. We're both right. That doesn't work around here. We're both, everybody's a winner. That's not how it works, buddy. He goes, we're both right. Do
1: you know how infrequent it is that Pastor and I, with anything that's not Jesus, are on the same team? Like, this is a moment right now. Like, we are right. <laughs> that's where I'm aligning myself Ooh, right now.
2: I didn't realize those were oatmeal pie cookies. Those are good, too. Holly pointed that out.
1: Johnny says that he's not a Twinkie fan. Holly says Swiss rolls, oatmeal pie cookie, and Star Crunch. Um, in
2: the movie, the Land movie, they were looking for Twinkies the whole time. I'm like, they're my people. I like <laughs> Twinkies. Do you
1: like regular, have you had the Twinkies that have the chocolate in the middle instead of the vanilla?
2: I wouldn't like that. Really? No. I don't like chocolate.
1: Oh, I forget that.
2: I, well, sorry. I mean, I, I'm not, I just, I'd rather have the. The vanilla cream.
1: George is at the bottom saying, Mickey D fries will stay around forever too, but they taste so good. (laughs) Paul says that they're Swiss rolls. This is the Lord. You, myself, and Paul are all in alignment with what something is called. Like this is is Jesus right now. He
2: didn't call them Swiss rolls. He called them swish rolls. Swish rolls. (laughs) Swish rolls. (laughs) (laughs) That was Oliver. Oliver typed that. Oliver did it. (laughs) Oliver did
1: it. Darla says Swiss, uh, that two is Swiss, four ice, er, is cream, oatmeal, and seven is ho-hos. Paul says ho-hos are flat on the bottom. Mm. I really need to, like, Google images So are afterwards. Swiss rolls
2: when they've been in the heat for a while.
1: <laughs> it has been a long time since I've gone to the Little Debbie section in Walmart, and now I feel like I, I need to go to re-educate myself. I don't
2: ever go there. <laughs>
1: Zebra cakes, though, we have been having those snacks at youth recently, and they've just resurfaced in my my brain of what things are. Like the cosmic brownies, oh, I could eat those. I like those. Rachel's making faces at me right now. Okay.
2: What was the zebra cakes? Is that what you call them? I didn't know Mm -hmm. their name.
1: The white with the black stripes on the top Mm -hmm. of it?
2: It makes sense, but I didn't know the name.
1: Buddy says, remember when they stopped making Twinkies for like two weeks and the world stopped?
2: I remember that. Yeah. I, That's was, what I caused... was hurt very seriously, down in my soul.
1: That's why the corona happened. I needed healing
2: this. at church <laughs> that Sunday.
1: <laughs> okay, last question. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, opinion. Do you sleep with the sheets tucked in or tucked out?
0: hmm okay. Do, 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 do,
1: do, do, do. Kevin says, okay, having lived in Little Debbie country, I still prefer hostess. (laughs) That's funny. Marky, that I understand. Marky says, tucked out. EO says, tucked in. Paul says, out for both of the Stallings. Hello, Humphreys.
2: He's in Kenya.
1: Johnny says, out. This is interesting. I thought, Um, I, um. Yeah.
2: One foot has to be out. I get that. I like that.
1: I am like that too, Miss. At Dan. times.
2: Not all the time, but a lot of times.
1: I like having one foot out. I, I start, though, with everything tucked in. And then at some point, like a foot comes out while I'm sleeping. Literally, if, I'm,
2: if the sheet is tucked in, Abigail, tucked in, it's like a big hug. That's
1: I what get you that, have Abby. the
2: weighted blanket for, <laughs> George, George, and everything else is communism. That's
1: a, well, welcome to the Nowers. Might, might be a
2: little closed opinion there, George, but <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Nowers sleeping arrangements. Wow.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get that foot in, Barrett, Kim Jun un <laughs> I used to tuck
2: I used to tuck in the sheets all the time, but I found that I literally would wake up and my feet would be hurting. And really? so uh now uh, as soon as I go to a hotel room, instantly. I go around the bed and untuck it uh, at least on the side i'm, I'm on, i don't like it tucked in
1: i like getting into a very tightly like made bed like with the sheets very nicely tucked in that initial feeling i enjoy it and then i end up rolling around so much that it happens on its own um paul says wow george tell us how you really feel holly says one foot out Oh, we struck a chord with Marky. You know when Marky's alive because the caps lock comes out. Marky in all caps, I need freedom! (laughs) (laughs) Natalie says, tucked in at the foot and out on the sides. I can get behind that. I I don't think George could, but I can get behind that.
2: It's got to be out on... All the way. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Buddy, I've not seen your answer or Serena's answer. How do the crab trees make their beds? Oh, did you? I missed it? Oh. Buddy's a tuck dinner. He needs freedom to roll, which gives me new respect for Serena. Like if Buddy is rolling, I'm, it makes me pray for Serena differently for sure. She rolls as well. Like do you end up on the floor? <laughs> he says no uh jan is miss jan is with natalie tucked in at the foot and out on the sides y'all i am so surprised that we have so many like untucked people were you made as children to tuck your bed in a lot and now as adults like you're just in the freedom world of getting to pick what happens (laughs) like is this where we're at (laughs) holly has a good question she posed it last night i forgot to put it on but while pastor is looking at something real quick Are you, when you're going on a vacation, are you a pre-packer or do you pack like the day of or immediately the night before? What do you do with vacations? Priscilla says she hates making the bed. I understand. George is very gracious and makes the bed often. I am a, I'm typically a night before I go somewhere. I pack the night before. I don't typically do it days out. I know what I'm going to pack, but I'm not. I'm not packed that far in advance. Prilla says she's a pre-packer. Natalie says we never tucked in the sides. Paul says he normally packs the day of. Abby says that she's like me, she packs the day before. Yeah, I do that too. They were making fun of me because we're going to Texarkana um, in a few days, like 19 days or something like that. And I, when I grocery shopped yesterday, because I typically grocery shop like once a month, if I, if I can get away with it and while I grocery shopped I also picked up all of my snacks for said road trip and Marky told me I'm never allowed to tease her about snacks again but I just included it with my grocery shopping. Um, Paul says it depends on the like the length of the trip. EO said Rachel says day or night bef- day of or night before always I get it from Daddy. <laughs> She's not wrong. Uh, Kevin says five minutes before walking out the door, oh my goodness that Ooh, that makes my stomach a little uneasy for you. Natalie says, pre-pack. George says, night before is (laughs) pre-packing. Miss Darla says, night before as well. Buddy says, it depends on when Serena reminds me to pack. (laughs) Serena. Um, Marky is making fun of how I'm pronouncing the word grocery. Um, I could also say it grocery. I'll start saying it like that for you. I went to the grocery store the other day.
2: Please don't.
1: <laughs> I enjoy when I find like the hidden buttons I didn't know were there. Like, oh, grocery is a thing. <laughs> but Mark legitimately asked if you guys say grocery or grocery store, like which one do you say? Because I say it with a C sound, so. Marky is the analyzer of how people pronounce words, and then she brings it to the attention of others.
2: So. I probably do uh, C and, and SH at different times.
1: It made me so grocery funny. and grocery.
2: <laughs> I'll say it both, I think.
1: It's like when I realized that you said envelope as well, and any time I'm I'll in say alignment it, I'll with say you. I'll say it both,
2: though. I'll say envelope and envelope. So.
1: It's just any time. That I'm in lined Agreement. up with you. It makes me so happy. <laughs> EO says a mix of both. Kevin says something tells me George Nauer has a go bag for packing. That's absolutely 100%. <laughs> um, Abby says g o oh, o sh er eh E. Oh, does it have the line yeah. over it? <laughs> I couldn't tell from here. I was just going to say it that way. <laughs> Sh-eh. eh, <laughs> sh, eh.
2: Did you look that up and copy and paste it? That's what I want to know. Or did you type that out yourself from without any help? You you did it yourself. She's a big girl. Without looking it up? Wow.
1: Abby, look at you. I'm having a
2: hard time seeing her as an adult now. (laughs) Buddy copy and paste it.
1: (laughs) You can tell that. So according to what you looked up, Buddy, what? What is it? I can't super tell from where I'm at. Is it supposed to be a sound?
2: Grocery. (laughs) Whoa.
1: According to the internet, it's a sound. Grocery. Yeah, I do. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Okay. Grocery.
2: Do it one more time. Grocery. One more time. (laughs) Grocery. <laughs> that may, might be my favorite website night moment. I like that a lot.
1: Grocery. I did not realize that I was bending over as you were hitting it each time. That's exciting. You were helping
2: him push the button.
1: I was. Marky says, it's supposed to be an S, but I don't care. Well, there you go. <laughs> Abby says, Buddy being an an overachiever. And then Marky corrected her own grammar. (laughs) Pastor is a day of Packer. Or like the night before Packer.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll pack is... um... I like being packed before, but a lot of times it's just a matter of there's so much going on, especially getting out of town, but I don't like at the last minute. I I definitely hate packing at the last minute, but I find myself packing at the last minute.
1: I like your shoes. Thank you. I just looked down and saw them. I like them. Thank you. Welcome. No,
2: I don't like that. It (laughs) happens like that. That's not who I am. That's what happens because of things that you're unaware of. Child. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that that strong correction was directed toward Abigail because Abigail's comment was that yeah. Daddy is a half hour Thank after the plane takes Thank you for telling everybody factor.
2: else what was going on.
1: Well, I just wanted to make sure that the people watching did not feel like that child comment was was theirs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm looking for the broadcast here. Hello.
1: Oh goodness gracious. Well, y'all. It's good to have you. Make sure that you're sharing the broadcast. We are getting ready to transition into our topic of the day, which is there is hope. If you missed yesterday's broadcast, go back and watch it. It was powerful. It was called It's Time for an Awakening. And I have a feeling that today will just be a follow-up on what yesterday was which means that there's lots yesterday for you to receive as well. If you haven't seen it, or even if you have, go back and watch it, but share the broadcast right now. There are people that you know who need hope. They need to know that hope exists, that it's real. And in a world that looks really dark, we have the answer, and we're gonna give it to you in this broadcast. So share the broadcast right now. It's gonna be great
2: whoa you just started talking to me i found it
1: you found it
2: <laughs> found it
1: <laughs> you don't have to stop talking like i everybody kind of stopped commenting you're allowed to keep commenting we like we like it we like seeing you talk Bye. amen amen
2: glory to god Well, are we ready
1: are you ready
2: hmm. are y'all ready Let's jump right in. Uh, we're talking today. I want you to put this in the comments right away, all caps or at least hope. There's hope! Exclamation point. There's hope. Put it in the comments right now. We're excited to be here with you. It's going to be a great day. There is hope. There's hope. There's hope. Amen. Get it in you. Get it in your spirit. There's always hope. Do you know why there's always hope? Let's go to Romans, uh, chapter 15, and verse 13. Romans chapter 15, and verse 13. Large, bumping, dropping sounds coming out of the video booth. <laughs> Is everybody okay? Romans 15:13. Watch this. Now, may the God of hope, somebody. Oh, Priscilla on it. She's got the verse already up there. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holly says, that's my favorite verse. It is one of my absolute favorite verses in the Bible. I love it. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse is power-packed full of the good things of God. But I want you to see this, a couple of things. Notice what it says right off the bat. Now, so hope is not for some other time. Hope is for when? Put it in the comments. When is hope for? Now. 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 Hope is for now. And so if we put off hope to another time, we are being unbiblical. If we put off hope to another time, we are being uh, contrary to Scripture. Hope is for now. Faith is for now is for now. Love is for now. Now. Not not tomorrow, not when things settle down. It's for now. Hey, Michelle, good to see you. It's for now. Hope is for now, all right? And, uh, but I want you to see this. There's several main things I want you to take a look at. That's one of them. There's hope and there's hope right now. We're not waiting on it. I would be unscriptural. I would be ungodly If I put hope off to another day, that's not correct. Now, now, may the God of hope fill you. Now watch this. God is hope. He's the God of hope. And so no matter what we see, no matter what we feel, no matter what we have had happen to us, the only way that hope disappears is if God disappears. And God's not going to disappear. So there's always hope. There's always hope. So many people... Now, our feelings are totally different from the realities of truth. Many times. Feelings can be different from truth. And the truth will set us free, but not our feelings. And the Bible never promises that our feelings will set us free. The Bible never promises that what we see will set us free. The Bible promises that faith will overcome the world. The Bible promises that truth will set us free, that we continue in. So we have to see that God is a God of hope. Now that doesn't mean that our feelings and what we see will always line up to that. There are certain facts in the world that are facts, but they're not the truth. The truth will always set you free. And if the truth will set you free, then we must continue in that truth. We have to know the truth. The Word says so very clearly, my people are destroyed for a lack of understanding in Hosea. And then it says in Isaiah that my people go into captivity uh, for a lack of understanding. Excuse me, Hosea is a lack of knowledge and Isaiah it says a lack of understanding. So we need to have knowledge and understanding of the truth of God and then walk out that truth and we'll walk in freedom. Many times facts facts will not set us free, but the truth will set us free. So if you go into a situation, the doctor may tell you a physical fact about your body, but the truth is that Jesus has taken stripes for your healing. That on that cross he bore your sins and your sicknesses on the cross. That's the truth. Hey, Michelle Stan- Stanbrook, good to see you. That's the truth, and the truth will set you free, but the facts don't set you free necessarily, but the truth will always set you free when you continue it. So when we look at the truth, God is hope. No matter how we feel, no matter what we see, no matter what's going on in our lives, God is the God of hope in Romans 15, 13. And that means as long as God is around, hope is there. And hope, like we said before, is not for another day. It's for today. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 4, it says that there is a Sabbath rest for today. And today is that day. So any day in the Lord is a day of rest. It's a day of faith, hope, and love. And God is a God of hope. So now let's look at it real quickly. What is hope? What is biblical hope? Well, uh, one of the things that the definition of hope uh, in, in like Webster's is that grounds for believing that something good will happen. That's Pretty accurate definition. Hear that. Grounds for believing that something good will happen. But here's what I want you to see. How do people use the word hope? How do people use the word hope? People use the word hope as luck, as a wish. Well, they'll say, I hope you get to feeling better. What they're saying is, I wish that you would get to feeling better. And many times what they're saying is, Maybe you will get better, maybe you won't get better. I hope it falls your way, or I wish that it falls your way, that you will get better. So we literally use the word hope as a wish that has no confidence in it whatsoever. But literally, the biblical definition, so the worldly definition is good. I'm glad it semi-matches up. But we always want to go back to the truth of God's Word, and in order to have the truth of God's word, then we've got to look at it and say, what does the Bible say hope is? And hope is exactly what Buddy put up a second ago. Joyful, confident expectation. Joyful, confident expectation. Darla put up Hebrews 11, 1, Faith is the substance or the support of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words one of the things that you see is that hope is what faith will bring into manifestation. So many times just to give you a little nugget here, many people are in faith for things or they think that they're in faith for things or they actually are in faith for things, but they're not putting hope on anything and their faith has nothing their faith has nothing to bring into manifestation. So their faith is the substance, the support, the substance of things hoped for. So if there's no hope, then faith has nothing to manifest. And so they're in faith over things, but they don't have a substance to hope for, and there, nothing happens, and they say, well, I guess my faith didn't work. No, your faith worked. It just didn't have any hope to manifest. And so understanding hope is very important. Let me get them to put up a picture, not the one I was talking about, uh, but the one with the, it's in, it's in there, faith, hope, and love. It looks like a triangle with support, faith, hope, and love. When you find it, just go ahead and put it on the screen. When you see this, uh, when you see this picture, there you go, you see that picture of faith, hope, and love. We see that in Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance or the support of things hoped for. So if you don't have faith, your hope will fall to the ground. But we know from Corinthians that the greatest of these, faith, hope, and love abide forever. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. We also know uh, the word says this, faith worketh by love. So in other words, if faith is not motivated by love, then our faith will fall to the ground. Yeah. And so we must, in order to have manifestation, hope is what we uh, is what manifests. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, or the ingredients of that hope that will manifest. And hope is a joy, confident expectation. We have joy, confidence, and expectation. On the promises of God and the character and nature of God. So you can take any promise in the Word and you can put hope in that. Joy, confidence, expectation. And then you apply faith believing that God's going to manifest that promise. And we stand in joy, confidence, and expectation on it. And we move to that by love. We must have all three ingredients to have a manifestation. Put that in the comments. We must have all three ingredients of faith, hope, and love to have a manifestation. We must have all three ingredients of faith, hope, and love to have a manifestation. Amen. Darla says, without love, we're nothing. That's exactly right. Kevin says, hope is now. He said, pastor, can I also add that there's no comma after now in Hebrews 11. Therefore, faith is immediate, not delayed. Agreed? There's also the scripture of, uh, let's see here, Hebrews 6 12. Hebrews, it says, By faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. So, not to confuse people, faith is absolutely now, it's believing in it now, it's not putting it off to the future all the time, like what Kevin is saying. But faith is saying that thing is manifesting right now. I'm not waiting on it. And if you go into Mark 11, it's said, of course, today is not a faith course. Uh, it's on hope, but I'm, I want to give you some nuggets. If It says this, that we must get to the point where we believe that we have received it and our faith that's kept active will manifest that thing right then. But then there's some things that uh, are not... There's some things that are not promised right now, but the promise is manifesting right now. And so healing is right now. Uh, Restoration is right now. All the pieces of salvation are right now. But for example, God promised me as a kid that I'd be a minister and I'd be a pastor. But that didn't manifest for years, and I received that by faith and patience. Uh, So there's a balance there of those two. But a lot of people are constantly, they're not actually in faith. They're actually in hope without faith where they're constantly looking down the road, and that's what Kevin's talking about, and they never apply faith to right now. So, amen. We must have all three ingredients of faith, hope, and love to have manifestation. So going back to hope, that there is hope, faith is... uh, Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is, uh, for example, to give you another example, something the Lord sh- uh, shared with me at one point. If you look at a wall, uh, if you look at a wall, you will see on the wall that there is the face of the wall. It may be plywood. It may be uh, a board. Uh, what's, I can't even think of the name, drywall. It may be drywall that you see. What you're actually seeing is probably a coat of paint over the drywall, over the wood studs or metal studs in the wall. The wall itself is actually all of that combined. You're just seeing the face of it. It says this, faith is the support or the studs behind it and what you see on the surface is the manifestation of the promise or the manifestation of the character and nature of God. And that is what we hoped for. I want to see the face of that wall. And I don't want what I have promised fall to the ground. Well, that means I need to apply faith, hope, and love so it will stand and continue to stand. All right, so now looking at hope. It is a joyful, confident expectation. Hope is a joyful, confident expectation. How do you know that you're in hope? You have a joy about you. You have a confidence about it. You have an expectation. If you are not in expectation, if then you're not in hope. If you're not in confidence, you're not in hope. If you're not in joy, you're not in hope. So I want you to see a lot of people think they're in faith. A lot of people think that they're in hope. Uh, but they're not actually not according to the Bible, and this is what trips a lot of people up because they think that they're doing it right, and they actually don't know that they are not doing these things biblically. And because of that, then they blame God when they when they try to apply certain things and it doesn't work. So what I want to do is go back to Romans fifteen thirteen for for a second. So now that we've defined hope as joy confidence, and expectation. Now let's look at this verse again. Now may the God of joy fill you. Now may the God of confidence fill you. Now may the God of expectation fill you. Now may the God of hope fill you. See, to take hope away, you have to take God away. And God ain't going nowhere. God's not going nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) anywhere. I, I said two double, I said double negative. That was wrong. God, our hope is not going anywhere. Put it in the comments. God, our hope is not going anywhere. So to be without hope is to be without God. But God's sitting there waiting on us all the time. So all we have to do, if we need hope in our lives, if we need manifestation in our lives, we just have to turn our eyes to God, turn our eyes to Jesus. makes me think of that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I need somebody else to sing it or else it's, it's a joyful sound but not pretty. And uh, (laughs) turn our eyes on Jesus. We've got to turn, at any moment, we can turn our eyes on God and we will find the hope that we need. Listen, now may the God of hope, if you need joy, you can go straight to this verse. May the God of joy, he's a God of joy. If I need confidence, he's a God of confidence. If I need expectation, he's a God of expectation. This is who he is. Think about that verse that says this. Every promise in him is yes and amen. Every promise is yes and amen. Yes and amen means so be it. Every promise that God's ever given us, this is the word of God that he's told us. If I've given you a promise, then I'm telling you yes and so be it. Yes and so be it. Yes and so be it. it. God, our hope is not going anywhere. You know, I watched one time, I was watching a well-known minister. If I called his name, I would be assured that 99% of you would know who it is. I was watching a well-known minister, and uh, it, he did a message, and it says, What to do when God says no? And ooh, I got mad. I got mad. I got so mad because I went, God doesn't tell you no on his promises. He may tell your flesh no, but when it comes to his promises, and that's what he was talking about, was the promises of God. When when you pray for healing and God says no, that's, that's the kind of stuff he was saying. Ooh, I got mad. I saw Melissa come in. Hey, Melissa Billingsley, good to see you. He said, what to do when God says no? I'm like... Man, you need to read the Bible right now. And this guy knows the Bible, but he had forgotten this verse apparently. I wanted to throw stuff at the TV. I was so mad and so angry because you, you are teaching people that God says no when his word says every promise in me is yes. It's yes. I was like, man, what to do when God says no? He doesn't. He might say no to your flesh. The flesh man, the corrupted side of man, but he will not say no to a promise. If a promise is not manifesting, there's a reason for it, there's a reason for it. And generally that reason has got something to do with us, something that's standing in the way, something that we would not handle correctly, but it almost never has anything to do with God and it won't. I said almost never. It doesn't. The reason is because every time his promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Every time. Every time. His promises are yes and so be it. So I can take hope in his promises. God is a God of hope. Think about this. If you need something, if you need something that's a promise of God that he's already promised, healing, deliverance in salvation there's a package of salvation Um, see if you can find that slide it's a package of salvation it says sozo at the top of it there's multiple things that are in salvation first of all is intimate fellowship with God you know what it looks like Barrett Uh, it's intimate fellowship with God number two God is Jehovah Rapha. He's our healer. In the word salvation, when he said Jesus is our Savior, literally in that, it's a package. If you can imagine on Christmas that you get one big package and it's the package, it's the gift of salvation. When you pull the top off of that, inside of it, there's multiple packages inside in each one. One of them is intimacy and connection with God again. One of them is healing. One of them is uh, provision. One of them is restoration. One of them is deliverance. And one of them is protection. All of those are in the one package called salvation. And all of those are promised for all people at all times. Here's why. Because he says all of the things, the opposite of those, are in the curse. And he says we're redeemed from the curse in Galatians 3... Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we're not waiting on any of those things to happen in the future. It goes back to what Kevin said. Uh, Now faith. Now faith. It's not tomorrow faith. Now faith. Today faith. I believe that I have received salvation I believe I have received that salvation, and I have all of those in there. So we have, the, again, the packages are in salvation. Intimate fellowship is number one. Number two, healing. Number three, provision. Number four, restoration. Number five, deliverance. And six is protection. All of these are in the package of salvation. Every bit of it he carried and paid the price for all of it it's already paid you don't have to wait on it amen so if you're looking for that picture it's either in in Dropbox, but I know it's already on the computer it's a it 's a white picture and it has it's basically typed on there with a dividing line glory to God and uh so and look under sozo or look under there you go okay they're they're putting it up now. go ahead and put that up as soon as you have it. Oh, you didn't find it? Okay. Give me a thumbs up and just put it up there as soon as you find it. The package of salvation, the package of salvation, it's like one big package with a bunch of little ones in there and they're all, they're all so important and so uh, crucial in our lives. It's not something that we're waiting on. So if you need anything in that package of salvation, if you need anything in there, it's already paid for. You already have hope for it. You already have, you should have joy over that. You should have confidence over that. You should have expectation over it. There is hope no matter what you face, no matter what you go through. No matter, you have to look also at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, let's, let's turn there real quick. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. One of my favorites. It says, No temptation, if you've heard me teach on this before, you'll know that it's no situation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will Provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Now, I want to show you, no situation, you will never find yourself in any situation, any situation, uh, every situation carries with it the temptation to drop faith. Every situation carries with it the temptation to drop faith. And so because of that, we can say here, no situation... Has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, you're not gonna find yourself in a situation that you, with Jesus, can't handle. It's not an uncommon problem that you will not be able to handle with God. That's the context of what he's saying. But he says, in the middle of this, God is faithful, and that's the key. God is faithful. If we know that God is faithful, it's easy for us to put on joy. It's easy to put on confidence. If we know that we know that we know in our heart that God is faithful. I might not have always been faithful, but God is faithful. We know that we know that we know that God is faithful. And what we'll see is, Lord, I'll have expectation of you to be faithful. I have confidence for you to be faithful. I have joy because I know that you're faithful. And if we know these things, we can go into a situation that even looks bad, feels bad, and all of a sudden we see, but God's faithful. God's faithful. He says, and watch what he says here. He says, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. That means if you're in a situation, you know that I wouldn't be in this situation if if God was not telling me I'm able to come through it. If you're able. But with the temptation, he'll provide a way of escape also. So that you'll be able to endure it. So I know if I'm facing a situation, I know that if I'm facing a situation, I'll, God would not even allow me to get in it if I couldn't escape it. And if you go over to 2 Corinthians you see this, that not only is he he calling me and leading me to escape it, 2 Corinthians 2.14, he says, he's always leading me to triumph. So we're not just talking about having an escape. We're talking about a triumph. We should go up in every situation, in every circumstance. There's always a triumph in it. Escape is the minimum that we should come out with. So we start to see, look, I'm not going to find myself in a situation that I can't come out triumphant if I'll simply take Jesus by the hand. Well, that should give us hope. When we know that we know that we know that God is faithful and God is a God of hope and His promises are yes and amen, when we get that in our heart, all of a sudden joy comes up, hope comes up, confidence, expectation comes up. And so we can take the pieces of our salvation that's already been paid for. We can take them, all of those things, that package that I told you about. You can go ahead and put that up. You can take that package and put it up there and you'll see that God's already paid for these things. This this word right here, sozo, when he says savior, which is the definition of Jesus, it means to save. That is deliver, protect To heal, preserve, save, do well, or be made whole. He has delivered us. He has protected us. He has saved us. He has healed us. He has preserved us. He has made us to do well or prosper. He has made us whole and restored us. He has saved us. He has saved us. You can wrap it all up by saying saved. What are we going to face that's not handled in that package, that salvation package? What are we going to face? So we can put hope on what Jesus has done, and we can then have faith manifest those things hoped for. All right, there's always hope. Going back now, Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, He's a God of joy, He's a God of confidence. He's a God of expectation. Let me give you the example the Lord gave me years and years ago. He said, he said this to me. Uh, does anybody have a friend? If you put a, put a hands up in the comments if you have a friend that's wealthy. Don't put their name. <laughs> Don't put their name. Amen. My mom wrote this. Even when we are faithless, he is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13. Amen. Um, One of the things, if you have a friend who's wealthy, put your hand in the comments. (laughs) Put a hands up in the comments. Amen. A couple of wealthy friends. Glory to God. That's awesome. Let's say that that wealthy friend that you have is not only a wealthy friend, but they are a wealthy friend with a good heart and the leading of God. Let's say that they are a wealthy friend with a good heart and they follow the leading of God. And let's say that they are trustworthy. Let's say that they are faithful. Hey, John Napier, love you, man. This is a good broadcast. I'm glad you're here. Let's say that they have, you have a wealthy friend, they have a good heart, and they follow the leading of God. Let's say that. And then that friend calls you up And says, hey friend, just wanted to touch base with you. I wanted to let you know something. I just sent a package in the mail to you. It's a letter. It's a next day uh, air letter. And that next day air letter, it's going to reach you tomorrow. It's going to arrive at your house tomorrow at 10 a.m. And in that next day air letter, there is a check made out to your name for a million dollars. One million dollars. One million dollars. Barrett's shaking her head at me. One million dollars. And it's made out to yours. It's yours. And uh, you can take it to the bank and cash it right away. Now, here's the thing. What if you didn't trust that friend? you didn't believe them you didn't believe that friend and you'd be like whatever you know i'll I'll get it and tomorrow maybe if they actually send it you know i i've watched i've watched ministers yeah i'll be there i'll be i'll be at that meeting i'll be at that meeting and i'll i'll be here and they've told me that five times and never come to any meeting (laughs) i've watched it that's not good character (laughs) that's bad we're talking about the man who would be king don't do that uh, there's things that you can't be in God if you don't if you keep that up. <laughs> don't do that. But what if what if what if your friend was one of those that you couldn't trust that wasn't faithful? What would your thoughts be? Well, when it shows up, well, whatever. It, maybe it'll show up, and if it does, maybe it'll cash. I'll take it to the bank, but. Watch what happens. You've got no expectation on it. If you can't trust them, you've got no confidence on it. If you can't trust them, you've got no joy. I mean, it doesn't change your joy any. It doesn't, it doesn't change anything. Many people, this is the problem because they haven't come to the place where they actually trust God. Many people don't have a real trust and faith in God to come through. And the truth is many preachers have taught them to be that way. They've said, well, God works, you know, he works in, in mysterious ways. They've used that verse on the wrong context of it and said, well, maybe he'll, he'll heal, maybe he won't. Uh, he healed them all. Everybody that came to Jesus expecting to be healed, he healed them all, you know. Um, This is, healing is a part of our redemption package. It's a part of our salvation package. It's a part of covenant. You know, we see the type and shadow of that. We talked about it uh, maybe Sunday, I don't know, sometime in the last few days where they came, I think it was Sunday, when they came out after the Passover. They took the Passover lamb. They received the lamb of God and they came out filled, wealthy, loaded down with prosperity, and not a one was feeble amongst them. Not one was feeble amongst them. Amen. So you see that God, it's a part of our salvation package. That was a picture of when we accept Jesus with a lesser lamb. We have the great lamb of God in Jesus Christ. It should be that and more that we walk out with. And so we're the healed of the Lord if we receive it. But see, we've been taught that sometimes, well, maybe he'll come through, maybe he won't. He, that's why he made the promise. In me, all my promises are yes and so be it. Yes and amen. Many times this is the issue. Many times this is the issue. And so we have to make sure... We have to make sure that we do trust God on that level so that we're not looking at God like a man. God is not a man that he could lie, that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. So we don't need to, A lot of times we apply to God man's characteristics and man's practices. And so we think, and, and I would say to parents, parents, how you act. Act with your kids is how they will see God. Pastors, how ministers, how you act with people is how they will see God. If you say that you're going to be there and you're not there, or you don't call them and reschedule something, but it's a chronic problem, they're going to start seeing God like that. Parents, if you tell your kids, parents... If you tell your kids, do that one more time and you're going to get in trouble, and they do it one more time and they don't get in trouble, they're going to think that God's going to treat them like that. And Let me tell you something. God, God does not mince words. God means what he says and he says what he means. He does not have idle words. So it's our responsibility as leaders to make sure that we do not have idle words as well. My kids know if I say, do that one more time and this is going to happen, they know. They know. Rachel's sitting right here. Abigail's sitting back there, my two daughters. They're like, mm, I know that's right. Yep. <laughs> They're shaking their head. They know. They know. If I say it, it's going to happen in that way. Why? Because I know that as a parent, I'm not just speaking for me. I'm speaking for the Lord. They know that the Lord, he doesn't say things oddly. Well, it's the same way negative as, as it is positive. And so if God says you're the healed by his stripes, you were healed. He's not mincing words. That's not idle, unproductive words. That's a production of divine health in our bodies today, and we can take it to the bank. So many times we apply the the characteristics of other people. Amen. Uh, Barrett said God doesn't exaggerate. That's right. He doesn't stretch stuff. You know, uh, it's not evangelistically speaking. <laughs> There's, it's a joke between evangelists. It's not evangelistic, evangelistically speaking talk. It's not stretching a story or something, you know. When I tell you that this Sunday, two days ago, in the service while I'm preaching, somebody's neck needed a touch from God. It, while I'm preaching, it goes pop. And all of a sudden they have free range of motion and they're healed. That's not me stretching it. That happened this Sunday. We need, as ministers, we need to make sure that our yes is yes and our no is no. I, when I say this Sunday, two days ago, when, when we're, I'm, while I'm preaching, not at the prayer line, much more stuff happened there. But while I'm preaching, a guy right in the seat gets filled. The Holy Ghost fills him. He starts praying in tongues for the first time ever in the, in the uh, seat. That's not stretching it. See, we need if we will learn how to keep our yes, yes, and our no, no, then God can move more through us. But if we're exaggerating stuff, we're not a trustworthy speaker of the things of God. And so he won't give us things to speak, and he won't give us people to speak to. And God's called us uh, to not bury our talents, but to whom much is given, much is required. Every single one of us have a potential to reach a lot of people and should believe to reach a lot of people. That means we need to work on ourselves and we need to speak the things of God, speak the oracles of God. We need to be like the pen of a ready writer. Our lips, our words need to be like the pen of a ready writer. We don't exaggerate. We say what happened. We say what he he said to say and we don't say more, we don't say less. We just speak what God tells us to speak. Look at Jesus as our example. He says he only did the things he saw the father do. He only said the things he heard him say. Nothing more, nothing less. This made him powerful. And so because many times people have not seen ones in ministry operate at this level of leadership, operate at this level of character, operate at this level in that way, then what's happened is we've seen people start to look at God the way they look at their pastor. Well, I hope that they can get a true picture when they look at me and I'm seeking to put down my flesh to be a better and better picture. Notice what Paul said. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, if I don't follow, if you see me not following Christ, don't follow that part. What a great statement. And he also gives us by the Holy Ghost, every scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He gives us there right there. He says, look, this is how preachers and believers should live. Our lives should only look like Christ and if they don't look like Christ then we're not worthy of following. So many people have seen pastors I gave a moment for us a say lot there. I gave a moment for you to pause and reflect. If we as ministers have not been giving the people an accurate picture of God and then they don't trust in God, then when God sends them a promise, they'll say, well, I don't know if it'll happen or not. They have no joy, no confidence, no expectation. They don't even have hope on the promises of God anymore because they've seen so many people that have not been a good example. Every one of us as believers should be the example that that God wants us to be. So here, here you see it. If that, going back to the letter, the next day air letter, if you don't trust that that letter will show up with a check in the mail for a million dollars, then you're going to have no hope. No hope on that. No joy, no confidence, no expectation. If we don't trust God, there will be no manifestation of joy in our lives. If we don't trust the promises of God, there will be no manifestation of confidence. If we don't trust God, there'll be no manifestation of expectation. So I won't, but, 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 thank you, Priscilla, for donating and sowing into the kingdom of God. But if we trust God, all right, going back to your wealthy friend, if you trust your wealthy friend and he does what he says he'll do, and he has, watch, he has the ability to actually write a check, For a million dollars. And you trust. If he gives you his word. It's as good as gold. I mean you can take his word to the bank. If you have a friend like that. And he calls you on the phone and says tomorrow at 10 a.m. You're going to receive in the next day air letter. A check for a million dollars. You know my life just changed. My life just changed. (laughs) Glory to God. Everything's going to be different. You know. If that's actually the case. What happens? Hope. Jumps up inside of you. If you really trust the giver, hope jumps up inside of you. See, this is where we need to really challenge ourselves. Do I really trust the promises of God? Do I really trust Him on this level? Do I really trust Him in every promise of salvation? To heal, to provide, to save, intimacy, intimate connection and fellowship with God, to preserve me to to, uh, restore me, to protect, to deliver. Do I really trust him in all areas of his salvation? Or am I just checking the box and going to the church and saying amen, but I really don't believe it in my heart? The proof that we believe it will be in our hope. Joy. If I really trust my wealthy friend to send a check for a million dollars tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., instantly, instantly, joy is going to spring up in my life. I mean, let's say I'm sitting here doing the broadcast and I got my wealthy friend and he sends me a text and it, he says, hey, I'm sending you next day air a million dollar check for you. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen to the rest of the broadcast? Oh, joy going to spring up. I'm, I'm going to look at it and I'm going to go, Y'all, you gotta hear this. You know, you're gonna hear about I'm gonna joy is gonna flood me. Why? Because I know what can happen with that promise made manifest. Joy is gonna flood my life. I'll have hope on if I if if I trust him, joy will spring up. Hope will spring up. Confidence will spring up. I have confidence in him expectation will spring up. What does that look like? Here's the joy. Nobody's going to be able to steal my joy. See, I could get home, I could receive another text from another friend, and and they're going to tell me, well, you know, this happened and that happened. Listen, that's not going to move me. I'm not going to be moved by it because my joy will not be stolen because I've got joy on another promise. I've got joy on a promise giver. I've got joy on on a promise giver beyond the bad news. Bad news is not going to affect me the same because I have trust and faith on the promise giver and my joy is there because I trust him. It's going to be different. And so then you look at this. What about my confidence? Haven't you had times where you've been in a church service and you find out God's a healer? Many people found out, oh, God wants to heal me. God wants to deliver me. God wants to do this. And you go home and you tell your friends about it. They're like, well, you know, sometimes God will do that. And I, you know, I, I prayed one time in faith and it didn't come through. You know, Maybe he will, maybe he won't. And what happens many times to our confidence. We were so confident before we talked to them. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, are they telling me the truth or what's going on? And our confidence, hear this. Our confidence slowly goes away. This, that right there is going to be important. Our confidence slowly drains out. L- hear my words. Our confidence, our hope, slowly drains out. Remember that because it's going to be important in a minute. Our confidence drains out. But see, if we, if we trust the giver over the friend or family member, a.k.a. hope stealers many times, If we trust the giver more, then we won't lose our confidence. We'll be so confident. We'll be like, well, it might not have worked with you, but it's going to work with me. (laughs) It's going to work this time because I trust the giver. See, it all comes back to faith manifesting that hope, manifesting the joy, faith manifesting the promise, the confidence, the expected thing. It comes back to that. Because of our trust in a faithful God. In, our, in a faithful God. Well, what about expectation? What's that going to look like? If, if my wealthy friend says that, I, what's going to happen tomorrow? Tomorrow at 9.50 a.m. Do you think I'm going to be home to receive that package? Oh, yeah. I'm going to rearrange my schedule. I'm not coming into work today. I got an important package. You might pay me a couple hundred dollars to work today. I'm going to get a million dollars in the mail. I'm going to be at home and come about 9.50, 9.55 a.m. What am I doing? I'm looking through the blinds of the window like, where's that delivery truck? I got expectation. I'm waiting on it. I'm looking at my watch. I- I'm just waiting. I'm in expectation. Something's going to happen good to me today. Expectation. It's hope. It's hope. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. These are the things of hope. See, if these things are not manifested in our lives, then what we start to see is that joy, confidence, and expectation, the hope of God is not in existence on the level that it should be. Watch this. If you go back to Romans 5, if you go back to Romans 5, it says this. Our hope, and in context, our hope in God... It will not disappoint. Our hope will not disappoint. See, we may put hope in other people. We may put hope in worldly things. That would be disappointing at times. But when we put our hope in a faithful, loving God, a faithful, loving God, it will not disappoint. It will not. Disappoint. God makes us that promise. The question is, who are we putting our hope in and what are we putting our hope in? Uh, Keith Moore did a great message last year at the Southwest Believers Convention. And he says many times when people become people of faith, they start saying this, well, I'm believing for this, I'm believing for this. And many times they don't see those things come to pass. And he brought up this question. Believing, you're believing, yes, okay. Believing in what? Where's the scripture promise on it? Where's the character and nature of God? Where's the peace? See, I know God will heal me not just because he gave me a promise, but also know it's his character. It's his character to heal me. He, and just like my character would never be let a child remain sick in my household. I'm not going to sit there and just be like, well, it, you know, maybe they'll make it through. No, I'm going to do everything within my power. Well, where does that love come from? Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. I get that from my Father and I got it and I know that mine is corrupted. Mine doesn't carry the absolute perfection of His love because I've got a corrupted flesh that I've had to deal with. But even when I know how to do good, He knows how to do better. This is who He is. It's His character to heal me, to deliver me, to save me from whatever I need saving from, and I have a trust in Him. I have a trust, a joy, a confidence, an expectation. No. I told somebody not too long ago, I said, I don't remember the last time I lost. I don't remember the last time I lost a battle. That doesn't mean I don't have things I'm not. I'm believing for things now. I'm believing for some things that I've been believing for for quite some time. But I'm not in the process of losing. I'm in the process of moving from triumph to triumph, from glory to glory. I'm in the process of receiving manifestation on things hoped for. When I have a promise of God, when I have a, when I have a promise of God or the character and nature of God laid out in Scripture, He is faithful. We are not to be the people who lose. We are to be a triumphant people, more than conquerors, overcomers. This is the language that God speaks. And how can he speak in such absolute terms? Because he's that absolute in his love and in his faithfulness. And we can put our hope in him, in his promises, and he makes us another promise. When you put your hope in me, I won't disappoint you. There's hope. For you today. It is an absolute hope. It's an absolute hope. See we ought to be these kind of people. That when we come into church on Sunday morning. First of all we ought to be uh, spending time. And having an intimate fellowship with God. All throughout the week. But when we come into church on Sunday morning, we ought to be like, ooh, it's going to be good today. What is God going to do today? He's about to turn something loose. Somebody's going to get healed. Somebody's getting their miracle. Somebody's life is completely changing, and I'm going to be completely changed. It might be me that gets all of it. I might be a part of getting it to somebody, but something good is going to happen today. And and we're looking for it. Like, where's it going to be? Where's Where's the healing? Where's the deliverance? Where's that feeling of the Holy Ghost? Something's changing today. Why? Because we have that kind of God. He's that good. He's that good. That's the kind of people we're supposed to be all the time passionate, full of expectation. Many people, they, you know, and I know, I know the devil attacks that, especially on Sunday morning. It's amazing. How many fights happen on the way to church? It's amazing how many kids all of a sudden mess up on Sunday morning. It's amazing. I get it. But that's where we put on hope beyond what we see. Because there's always a reason for hope in God. No matter what we see, no matter what we face, we wouldn't be in the situation if God wasn't faithful to take us through it. Look at this. And what does he want for us, verse 13? Now may the God of hope... He's praying by the Holy Spirit right here. Now may the God of hope do what? Fill you with all joy, not just some joy... Fill you with all joy. In other words, you will have no room left in your life that doesn't have joy. That's what filled means. He will fill you with all joy. You will have no place that joy isn't present. This is what God desires for every person in the earth that will hear this message. God wants to fill you with all joy. They'll be, put it in the comments right now. God doesn't want to leave any room of my life without joy. Any room in my life without joy. God doesn't want to leave any room in my life without joy. Glory to God. Get that in you. Get it inside of you. Hear this. I love this verse. I love this verse. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. God doesn't want to leave any room in your life without peace, without peace. Just imagine that. Think about that. Just close your eyes for a second unless you're driving. Then don't close your eyes unless you're really good at discernment. But then you better be humble in that judgment as well. Think about this. Your life, from the time you were born, everything you can ever remember, never had a lack of peace. You had peace. Imagine having peace every second of your life. What would that look like? What would that feel like? What would that be like? That's the will of God for your life. So now we can very clearly see, we can very clearly see that we've not had the will of God fully in our lives. What do we do about that? We learn who he is. I'm going to give you some pieces here. Uh, Watch this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How does it come? In believing we must add our faith to the god of hope when we put faith in god as our joy our confidence our expectation we'll have all joy and peace in believing so that here so that here's what he's getting to amen so that you will abound in hope by the power of the holy spirit see without the holy spirit's work and empowering you won't have the hope that you need we need the holy spirit Put that in the comments. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. These are revelations we must get in our spirit. They must get so strong because if they're not strong, you'll find yourself wavering all the time back and forth. We must, we must, we must have the Holy Spirit in our life. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen, I like how you put it. We need it, all caps. We need the Holy Spirit. We really do. We really, really do. Amen. Randy says, wow, so we will abound in hope. I know, I know, Randy, it's awesome. And, and hope, what is hope? Joy, confidence, so that we will abound in joy. We should be the most joyful people on the planet. Yeah. The most joyful people on the planet. We should be the most confident people on the planet. We should be the most expectant people on the planet. No, it's turned out good. It's going to be awesome. Because we know God. We know our God. See, the issue is that we haven't known our God. We haven't known him like this. But there's hope. No matter what you see, all this chaos that's been going on, in the middle of that, there's hope. There's hope. I remember uh, there's a, a minister in, in town. And uh, he said, I didn't know you. I've heard about you. But then we got together and talked. Some... He's like, he, wa- he told me, I got to kick out of this. He said... He said, I walked away and I told him, he was like, man, that is the most confident man I've ever seen in my life. He, he was, your confidence is amazing. I'm like, I don't necessarily feel that way, but when you start spending time in the hope of God because God is that trustworthy, that's what happens. You start becoming confident. Watch this, and this is what's very important. In Peter, it says this. It says that we are to be ready... To give an account for the hope that's within us. In other words, watch this. When you actually move into the hope that's ready, that's available, that's waiting on us, our hope preaches. Our hope will make somebody who's watching us will say, Wow, they are so joyful. They are so confident. They are are so expectant. Wow, what is going on? And it'll make them reach out and say, why are you so hopeful? Why are you so hopeful? Rachel, will you fix that, please? It says, why are you so hopeful? I don't understand. How can you be so joyful in this world when all this chaos is going on? How can you be so joyful? How can you be so confident? How can you be in expectation? That doesn't even make good sense. Our hope preaches. Put that in the comments. Our hope in God preaches, Our hope in God preaches. Amen. Our hope preaches, it preaches. We, can, we don't even have to say a word and our hope is preaching. but we need to have we need to have this. We need to have a reason why we have that hope and that hope is Jesus Christ. God's so good. He's so faithful. He, he's so just, He's so loving. We need to be ready to give a reason for that. We need to be ready. We need to be ready. Praise God. Are you getting anything out of this? Are you receiving anything out of it? If you are, just throw a hand up. Say, I am. You know. Are you getting something out of it? Glory. I hope you are. I am. I'm being blessed. The Lord is blessing me. Now watch this. I want you to see something. Put up the graphic of the the scale that I sent you. Now, if you look at this graphic, this came straight off of Google when you type in the word hope. This is a graphic that says, it's, I asked the question, where is our hope in the world? We need hope more now than ever. This is how many times hope was mentioned in the world, in literature, in books, in writings, At these different times, you can see clearly that in the 1800s, it was about double that it was in the year 2000. We need hope more now than we've ever needed it. Why? People have lost their hope. Now part of that is that as, watch this, and just look at that graph for a second. Think about the 1800s. Those early 1800s we're founded new as a country. All of our scripture and our schools are based on the Bible. People are learning who God is and what God is. We're becoming successful. We're moving up. We're becoming a nation that has, is being blessed. What happens? They start seeing their wealth and the blessing as the source instead of the one who gave the blessing. So they stop being putting their hope on God. You stop seeing hope, and all of a sudden what happens? You start to see the downfall and the degrading of a society. Today we need to remember who's our hope giver. We need to remember who gives us our hope and where that blessing comes from. We need to remember those things. I, want, I told you to remember this. Remember that our hope went away. I want you to look at Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27, I'm going to give you a couple of things, just some tools, so be ready to write quickly. Acts chapter 27 and verse 20. Now if you know this story, here's what happened. Uh, Paul was a prisoner being taken to Rome, and they were on a boat, and the uh, bad season was coming in, but the, the captain wanted to try and beat the bad storm season. Paul said, by the Holy Spirit, no, it's a bad time to go and they should have listened. Well, they get trapped in a storm, and it's a, I mean, just a demonic, huge storm in their life, and all of a sudden, it looks like very clearly they are not going to make it out of this storm. And look at verse 20. It says, Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us, from then on all hope, Of our being saved was gradually abandoned. Was gradually abandoned. All right, now go uh, over to Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. Luke chapter 22 and verse 31 and 32. Luke chapter 22, verse 31, it says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Jesus is speaking to Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Now, i want you to look at the words in chapter 31 sift you like wheat now what is that referring to now notice it's like wheat i don't know if you're familiar with a grain of wheat but a grain of wheat uh, is almost it's a little bit bigger than it's a little bit bigger in diameter than a grain of rice so it's got a little bit of size to it it's not big but it's it's got a little bit of size to it but when you go to flour that is so finely ground, so finely ground that it's like a powder. So you t- imagine taking something from the size of a grain of rice down to powder. What has to happen? The pressure and, and the wearing is applied. The pressure and the wearing is applied and applied and applied and applied and applied until what was once a solid piece is now ground down to powder. And looking back in Acts 27, it shows our hope and their hope was gradually abandoned. In other words, the devil like a cheese grater and and our hope was the block of cheese and the devil just, he didn't try to knock it all out at once. He just constantly added pressure and wearing and graded on our hope and graded and graded and graded until the hope was no more. This, these are the tactics of the enemy, and you have to recognize them, and you have to watch for them, because otherwise, all of a sudden, you'll find yourself with no hope. And so if you find yourself in that place of no hope, you have to say, all right, look back at it. Think about times where you've had no hope in your life. And look back at it and you'll see that there was a wearing and a pressure and a grating on your life. And many times the devil just tries to pile on. What's he doing? It's that sifting. He's trying to wear you down until there's nothing solid left to your hope. There's nothing solid left. This is his tactic. In other words, he doesn't just do it all at one time. You would recognize that and you would fight against it. So what he does is he has one person come and talk to you and say, well, I don't know if God will do that. And then he has another person say, well, I tried to believe in faith one time for healing, but he, didn't. he wouldn't do that. And then he has another person say something, and then he has another person say something. And then he brings up a thought in your mind, and all of a sudden, you're worn down, and all of a sudden, you're frustrated. All of a sudden, you're, you don't know what to do, and what's happened is he sifted you. And many times, it's not because we couldn't withstand it, it's because we didn't recognize it. Our lack of understanding of his tactics, of his schemes. We didn't recognize the sifting, the grinding, the wearing. We didn't recognize the grading. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place without hope. Well, that's when we have to know that we know who the Lord is. A God of hope. He's a God of joy. He's a God of of peace. He's a God that I can believe in. He's a God of hope, joy, confidence, expectation. He's a God of faith. He's a God of, of love. He's our loving Father who loves us with an everlasting love. That's who He is. And you start putting it back on again. Remember the Scriptures in Thessalonians and in Philippians. Rejoice always. Amen, Sarah says, touching my heart. You're so welcome. Praise God. Thank you for being on with us, Sarah. And that reminds me, I'm not sure who Sarah Atkinson is, but we love you. We're here for you. But listen, share the broadcast, because she's not the only one that needs to be touched with this message today. God is a God of hope. He's a God. And watch in Thessalonians and Philippians, it says this. It says, rejoice! 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 Now what does that mean? That means to, watch this, on purpose, put own joy again. Well what is joy? It's a part of hope. He's telling you, rehope, rehope. In other words, on purpose I will put it on. This is a this is a very common thing in the Bible. You see it in Isaiah 61 as well. He says, I will give you a garment of praise or a garment of cheerfulness uh, 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 for the spirit of heaviness. Or that depression. In other words, I have to on purpose decide I'm going to take off a lack of hope and I'm going to put on hope. I'm going to take off a lack of joy and on purpose, with intention, I'll put on joy again. I'm going to take off a lack of confidence and I'm going to put on confidence. I'm going to take off a lack of expectation and I'm going to be expecting. I'm looking for it. It's happening in Jesus' name. Wow, how can I do that? Now, many people would say to you, well, you're just being unrealistic. You just need to get real. I know. Guess who taught them to say that? It wasn't God. It wasn't God. It wasn't God who taught them to say that. Well, I don't want people to get their hopes up. It wasn't God who taught them that. It wasn't God, because God wants you to get your hopes up. He wants you to abound in hope. He wants you to abound in joy. He wants you to abound in confidence and expectation. That's the language of God. Not, well, I just don't want to be disappointed. Oh, no. Take off that disappointment. Put on hope, and God says you won't be disappointed. I'm going to give you a couple of things here. How does the devil attack hope? He grates on us, he sifts us, he grinds us, he puts pressure on us. Watch those ongoing attacks and make sure when you start going, man, it's just been a long day, it's just been a wearing day. That should be a red flag to you. That's not just a wearing day. That's an attack against your hope. It's not just a wearing day. It's an attack against your hope. Look at this. Why is the devil after your hope? 1 Thessalonians 4.13 And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Believers are not supposed to be without hope. He'll attack your hope. But as we know, we know that we're supposed to be the people of hope, all of a sudden, when we know that we know that we know that, we'll stop the devil in his track. Our hope preaches. Our hope in Christ will stand. We need hope. Before the promise comes. Remember, we don't have hope all the time when we see it. Uh, We see it in hope and faith before it manifests. We don't need to see it. Once once we see it, we don't need faith anymore. Faith has brought about the hope. We need hope. In order to get the promises of God to manifest, we must be walking in hope. Without hope, faith doesn't have anything to manifest. How do we keep hope? I'm going to give you one One, two, three. How to keep hope. Here's how to keep hope. Number one, recognize the symptoms of hope. Learn to recognize symptoms of hope. And I would say by recognizing the symptoms of hope, you recognize also when it's not there. Recognize the symptoms of hope. Symptoms of joy. Symptoms of confidence. Symptoms of expectation. I'll tell our church all the time. I'll say, look. If you're sitting there and look like you just sucked on a lemon, that is not joy. We are not supposed to be the most bitter people on the earth. We're supposed to be the most joyful people on the earth. We're not supposed to be bitter. But if you go into a lot of churches I've been in over the years, all of a sudden, I mean, it's like bitter, bitter people. I've gotten up and I went to preach before at some places. I look around and they're like, I mean, just bitter. And I'm like, my goodness, this is the exact opposite of what we're supposed to be. Recognize the symptom of joy. Recognize the symptom of confidence. No, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. We see things, I, told, I said this earlier, I don't remember last time I lost. It, I'm not saying that on me, I'm saying that on God. When we put hope in Him, we stop losing. We stop falling. We stop uh, finding all the pitfalls. We start winning. We're supposed to be a victorious, glorious church, overcomer, more than a conqueror. That's who we're supposed to be. Confidence. Many people, they're like, well, why does it work? Why does it work for you? I'm confident in God. Not confident in me. He is faithful and worthy of my faith and worthy of my hope. And I've seen him come through when it looks like the worst so many times. My feelings don't feel like that. My sight doesn't feel like that. But my Bible tells me he's like that. I put my confidence in him and he comes through every time. Why? Because hope doesn't disappoint. Expectancy. I'm expecting some things. It's like this past Sunday on Pentecost Sunday. I'm expecting the power of God to move, and it did. Why? Because we were expecting it as a body. I was expecting it as a pastor. If we don't have hope, then we won't see the manifestation. Recognize how to keep hope. Recognize the symptoms of hope. Number two. Number two. Did somebody put number one? Number one, how to keep hope. Number one, recognize the symptoms of hope. Number two, recognize the devil's grating on your hope. Learn to recognize when he is wearing and putting pressure on your hope, when he's grating on it. Learn to recognize that. Don't just let it go on. It should be an instantaneous red flag that awakens you like an alarm clock. Oh, whoa. No, we're not going to have one of those days. I may have had that day today and didn't catch it, but I will not have that day tomorrow. I will rejoice. I will re-hope. I will put hope on. Put hope on. So number one, how to keep hope. Recognize the symptoms of hope. Number two, recognize the devil's grating on your hope. Number three, recognize the ways to build hope. Recognize the ways to build hope. How do you build hope? Intimacy with God and knowledge of God and His promises. We must get in this word. We must get in this word. We must get in prayer. We must get in worship. Intimacy and fellowship with God is spirit-led word, spirit-led prayer, and spirit-led worship. Spirit-led word, spirit-led prayer, and spirit-led worship. We must allow the Holy Spirit to take us into an intimacy with God so that we get to know Him like we've never known Him before on new levels. How to keep my hope? I must, I must recognize ways to build hope. Number three, intimacy with God and knowledge of God and knowledge of His promises. Not just, not just a... a Trivial facts of the knowledge of God, but an intimate knowing of his healing touch, of his love, of his mercy, of his goodness. So how to keep hope? Recognize the symptoms of hope. Two, recognize the devil's grating on your hope. Three, recognize the ways to build hope. Let me read this verse again, Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope feel you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to hear this because God is a God of hope. He is hope. That's who He is. It is who He is. To deny hope, hear this, hear this so clearly. To deny hope, to deny joy in your life, to deny confidence, To deny expectation, which is biblical hope, is to deny hope. And to deny hope is to deny God. To deny hope is to deny God. So when I see people that they just won't receive joy for anything, no, I'm not going to be joyful. No, that's a church service. I'm not going to be joyful. What they're actually doing is not denying me alone. They're denying God because he is that joy. He is that joy. He is that confidence. He is that expectation. And to deny hope is to deny God. And watch this. To deny God is to deny your hope. So if I deny the things of God and His ways and His purposes, if I deny Him, then I'm going to deny the very one who can give me the joy, confidence, and expectation that I believe. Listen to this. The world is looking for joy. The world is looking for confidence. The world is looking for expectation. And that's God. The answer is God because he is hope. To deny God is to deny your hope. That's what the devil's after. He's after your hope. To accept hope is to accept God. To accept joy is to accept God. To accept confidence is to accept God. To accept expectation is to accept God. So you'll hear people say, well, don't get your hopes up. No, get your hopes up. (laughs) I'll, I'll tell the people of the church, get your hopes up. Put your hope in something. Will you see everything that you hope for? Well, you might get in your own way and trip over it and not see it manifest, but it's not God who disappointed. That would have been our own doing. But I'd rather be the person that goes after the stars and hits the moon than the person who always just keeps looking up and wishing. No. I'm going to go after God. But here's the thing about God. You keep going after God like that, He will shape you and reshape you and He will transform you where you will stop missing. You'll start hitting the mark of hope time and time and time again. You'll get better and better at it. To accept hope is to accept God. To accept God is to accept hope. All I want out of you today is this. When life hands you those lemons, get this in you. There's hope. Doesn't matter what I see. Doesn't matter how I feel. There's hope. When the doctor's report is bad, there's hope. Take yourself to these places, your thoughts, your thoughts, Get your heart. There's hope. There's hope. When you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, there's hope. When the bill collectors keep calling, there's hope. Put on hope. When you don't have the wisdom to figure it out, there's hope. When you just need a breakthrough, there's hope. When it seems like it's taking too long, there's hope. No matter what you face, put it in the comments. No matter what you face, this is what I want you to get out of today. No, there's hope because there is a God that loves me. There's a God that loves you with an everlasting love. There's a a God who wants to be your father. A good, loving Father who's not withholding anything from any of His people that walk uprightly. There's a God that wants to bless you in the city and bless you in the field. There's a God that wants you to be above and not beneath. There's a God that is full of hope and He wants you to abound in joy, abound in confidence, abound in expectation. There's a God that wants to give you hope. Again, to deny that hope. To be in any of these situations, lemons, bad doctor's port can't see the light, the bill collectors, I I need wisdom, I don't have it, I need breakthrough, it's taking too long. To be in any of those situations and not put hope on is to deny God's participation in it. We want God to come in and fix it, but we don't realize that He's already done His part on the cross and made hope available. All we have to do is take off the old coat and put on the new. Take and put on hope. Rejoice. Re-hope. Re-confidence. Re-expect. Put it on again. No matter what you face, there's hope. Watch this. I want them to put this scripture up on on the screen. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and then 13 in the message. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 and 13 in the message. Hear this. We don't yet see things clearly. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us knowing Him directly, just as He knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. Hear that again. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing Him directly just as He knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do. Hear that. Three things to do. Put these in the comments. Put it. Three things to do, colon. Three things to do. Three things to do that will lead us towards that consummation. Number one, trust steadily in God. Don't be shaken in your trust. Don't be shaken in your faith. Don't be shaken. My mom quoted a song. I'll sing it at the end of this. That came from our trip, our mission trip to Pennsylvania when I was 12 or 13. I still remember it. It marked me. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Ooh, man! Three things to do. Number one, trust steadily in God. Number two, hope unswervingly. <laughs> Don't swerve in your hope. Number two, hope unswervingly. Three, love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. The best of the three is love. Glory to God. Think about this, this song that I'll sing. It's when uh, we went on a missions trip to Pennsylvania. Um, I was a young kid. I remember the first night we got there, we went to a restaurant and there was a minister there and uh, he just had the joy of the Lord all over him. It was shining on him. I remember watching him and he got up and he sang a song. And uh, it's a song about salvation, but remember that hope is a part of our salvation. And so think about this in terms of hope. As, as well and putting on, it said, uh, the song goes like this. It says, the best thing in my life I ever did do, the best thing in my life I ever did do, the best thing in my life I ever did do was to take off the old robe and put on the new The old robe was dirty, all tattered and torn. The new robe was spotless and never been worn. The best thing in my life I ever did do was take off the old robe and put on the new. Amen. Take off the dirty robe that has no hope and put on the robe of joy, confidence, and expectation and watch the victories that will pile in your life. Watch the victories that will pile up in your life. The best thing in your life that you can ever do is take off the old robe of the world and put on the new robe of salvation, including the robe of God's hope, his joy, confidence, and expectation. We praise God for you. There's hope. There's hope it's amazing how the internet distorts the tone yeah it's the internet the, the streaming did it I'm sure that was it <laughs> I have to teach somebody how to sing it well so they can do it <laughs> oh man let's see if my mom remembers that song we were at a restaurant I think it was at the pagoda in Reading, Pennsylvania I don't even know if that's still there what an amazing week that happened that week it marked me forever They might not know it, but it marked me forever. It's so important that I went on that trip. It marked me forever. It was (laughs) attacked. I remember that. My mom will remember that too. But it marked me for the Lord forever. There's hope in God. He's such a good God. He's such a loving God. A God of joy, a God of confidence, a God of expectation. It's who he is. It's who he is, and he wants to get it abounding in our lives. Praise God. I just sense the anointing. The anointing is flowing over people that are watching and listening to this today. I can tell it. I can sense it. I can feel it. The anointing is flooding your life. The hope of God is rising up. Put on the hope of God. Put it on like never before. Put it on like never before and watch what God will do. The testimonies will come pouring in because his hope will not disappoint you. That's who he is. It's who he is. No matter what you see, no matter what you feel, there's hope. There's hope. Amen. We love you so much. Let me pray for you. Father, right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I come against every wearing, grating, and pressing Pressure coming against the hope of the people of God and the ones who will be the people of God. Let that grip be broken now in the name of Jesus. Loose your grip. Unravel your grip from their lives that hope may rise up. Joy, come in now. Confidence, come in now. Expectation, come in now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Let the joy of God arise in their hearts, in their minds. Let the joy of God arise in Jesus' name. Father, we just plead the blood of Jesus over every life, over every mind. Let every bit of depression be completely eradicated now in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for your hope. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your confidence. Thank you, Father, that you don't just give us these things. Thank you that you are these things. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Just put it in the comments. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. See, a joy and a confidence and an expectation, it'll make you thankful. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you're not moved to thankfulness, something's messed up in the process. If you're not moved to thankfulness, something's missing in the process of godliness. Something's missing. Godliness always takes you to thankfulness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Father, let them never be the same. Let them rise up into newness of your hope like never before. We praise you. We give you the glory. Thank you, Father. Today is just a look, a summary at the hope of God. There's so much more I could talk about it. I gave you some of the high points. but There's a lot. The devil's after people's hope. He's after their hope. He turns the hope off. He turns the light off. He knows it. So he's after their hope. Ah. Uh, But our hope shines bright in Jesus' name. Does your hope shine bright? Put it in the comments. My hope shines bright today, and it'll never go dim. My hope shines bright. My hope shines bright in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, it sure does. We love you so much. Uh, Share the broadcast. I've seen many comments today that says, I needed to hear this today. Glory to God. Share it. This is one that needs to be shared it needs to be shared, and it needs to be shared today. Share the broadcast, and uh, somebody needs to hear it that you know that I don't know, and they need to hear that hope. And so we love you. If you'd like to sow into the good news of Jesus Christ going out from What's Right, Lunch Plus, a Boomerang Church, all of the stuff that we're doing, you can on Facebook put type in hashtag donate and the amount after it. Uh, Anybody can also go to givebc.org. You're welcome to sow into the kingdom and into the gospel. Uh, Of course, it's free, and nobody has to pay for it. Uh, That's not what we're about. But if you'd like to support that, you're welcome to. We make it easy for you to do that. We love you, and let the hope of God rise up in you. Put it on, and let it rise. In Jesus' name, have a great, great day. We'll see you tomorrow at noon. It's going to be another great lunch plus Talk to you then. Bye-bye.